Hi, I'm Clemmie Telford and it's time to get open and get honest. Each week, I interview a guest about a topic that we, as a society, often shy away from. From sex lives to salaries, life and death, religion and real bodies, no subject is off the table. Welcome to Honestly, the podcast. Divorce is something everybody hopes to avoid, but statistically we know it's likely to affect lots of married couples. This week I'm joined by the wonderful Sarah Langford and Rosie Green, who help me better understand the nuts and bolts of what goes on during a divorce. Sarah, a barrister who wrote the amazing book, In Your Defence, Stories of Life and Law, helps unpick the technicalities of divorce, recounting her experience of legally divorcing couples. Whilst amazing Rosie opens up about the breakdown of her 26-year marriage, she talks about the person she has become through this whole process, as well as one that is now happy instead of heartbroken. This episode is raw and honest, but it does positively affirm that even when it feels as if our lives are being turned upside down, there is hope and we are able to rebuild from the ground up once again. A reminder that this podcast is called Honestly, so yes. it's all about being honest. And I like to start with a quick fire round to get us all in the mood. So on a scale of one to ten, how fun are you? Fun? Mm. I mean, I've probably about eight and a half. Good. Own it. Yeah, I think I'm pretty fun. I reckon I'm with you on eight and a half. <laughs> good girls, well yeah, done. Maybe oh. nine on a good day, yeah. eight on a bad day. Half kind of comes and goes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But that's still pretty high odds. So yeah. I definitely think I slide on uh, on a yeah, much bigger scale than that. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how popular are you? Oh, with whom? Yeah, you know, it's for you to decide, isn't it? open-ended I don't want to be punchy but I think I generally am I think it comes from being deeply unpopular as a small child I think that made me try really hard for the rest of my life yeah I get very excited about people yeah I like I like people yeah I genuinely like them and I think they respond to that That most people such a barrister's answer though isn't it give me a number girls or I go for another eight and a half oh I'm gonna have to copy you because that doesn't (laughs) sound as boastful as nine but then we don't want to be a seven how rebellious are you on a scale of one to ten? Oh, I fall down on that. But what I do, I probably say about four. Wow. But I have made sure that all my friends are about nine. So basically, Hang out with they some suck me in and then I get to blame it on them. <laughs> Brilliant. You're, you're mm. up for being badly influenced. Yeah. And then I can run quickly. Yeah. So. God, my, I think my rebelliousness has just basically gone downhill since the age of about 16. So I think I was properly rebellious then. And now I think I'm like a three or something. Yeah, I say, yeah. if I look back at some of the things, and I've not yeah. done anything wildly rock and roll, but I'm on this side of being a goody two shoes now. Yeah. Favourite colour? Duck egg blue. Yellow. Ooh. Most prized possession? Hmm. Hard to do this. It's hard. Like an asshole. We had a massive house fire that meant all our stuff burned down <gasps> so that has been it's made me quite zen about mm, physical belonging. possessions and it was quite a kind of therapeutic what does it all matter really as long as in some ways yeah. it's a huge it is it was huge cleanse. i think so yeah so possessions and nothing no. you can do is there no no well, no, I don't think it's my most prized possession, but I feel like all the notes that I've written for the book that I will never write are on my laptop, so I would be pretty gutted if that went. Tell me they're on a cloud. Are they on a cloud? I don't know if they're on a cloud. Put them somewhere. Okay. Google uh, Docs. Yeah. Not an advert, but yeah. you got it. My laptop breaks so often, it feels. How would you describe your relationship with money? Hmm. I'm quite cheap, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't 
I kind of do live a bit too hand to mouth. Mm. I mean, they always say with a barrister, you spend stuff three times. Like you spend it when you get the job, you spend it <laughs> when you do the job, and, and then, then you spend you it when the money comes in, which is not excellent financial health. No, I'm afraid. Oh, I think I could apply that to the life of a free- freelance writer as well. well. Yeah, I guess maybe that's, yeah, anyone who doesn't have a regular paycheck. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, I always feel quite lucky in that I can enjoy money when I'm spending it. You know, some people just kind of can't even enjoy it when they're yeah. spending it. So I do, I do think that. But I do get a bit scared by, like, you know, kind of budgeting and stuff. Also, it really bores me. It's the but truth is, of it. No, because I now want to get it straight so that I know what I've got to go and enjoy. Yeah, so because I'm so panicked all the time. Yeah, that I I don't enjoy it very much. I've never really been a saver, but it's it would be nice to go. Yeah, I've saved to that. Yeah, great thing. It'd be just like it'd be like sorting out all your document files. Yeah. like I can imagine yeah. it feel gives you a great sense of control. Exactly, and I think it's important, probably in relation to what we're about to talk about. This is a question I ask everybody, but it's very pertinent today. Do you believe in marriage? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do still, I think. But no one's asked me that since it's all gone horribly wrong. So that's quite yeah, interesting. You do. Your instinct was yeah. to say yes. Yeah. Is it ever okay to lie? Yeah, I lied the other day. I took my kids to Jumanji. <laughs> I tried to get them to go and see Little Women. They didn't want to go. And then as we left Jumanji, they were like, see, mummy, we told you you'd love it. And I was like, You're yes, right. I loved it. I hated yeah. it. I just couldn't bear to ruin no. their enjoyment. <laughs> that is, that is, that isn't lying. Is it? it should have <laughs> no, another word. It's a white lie, isn't it? When you're like, I just, the shop is shut. <laughs> I don't I, did, I thought it would be open on Saturday as well, but yeah. shut. <laughs> Soft play has moved. <laughs> yeah. What star sign are you? Capricorn. Which is the no. goat. Yeah. Uh, Gemini. Are you? Mm. Interesting. I know oh, quite a bit. My dad's a Gemini. I know a little bit about Geminis. Don't know much about Capricorns. Are you into kind it at all? Slow and steady. Right to the top of the hill. Get there in the end. Mm. <laughs> it's quite interesting, it isn't is. it? You can sort of... Uh, I don't know. Like I feel it's sort of comforting in some weird yeah, way. Yeah, doesn't. Yeah, it's probably it? shorthand for getting to know I mean, people. And also, like the astrology part is pretty woo-woo, but the impact of the moon on definitely on labour wards and psychiatric wards, etc., etc. There's no denying that. Really? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Famously, yeah. Okay. Loads of babies will be born yeah. on full moon, and similarly psychiatric wards. But and particularly as women, we're cyclical, so yeah. we are we are impacted by that, and I. And if you begin to know, like that yeah. when full moons are, which is one coming up in a few days, I've got oh. an app. I've got an yeah, app on my I've phone. Got an app. Have you? Yes. God, this is a whole new world I don't know about. Honestly, <laughs> if, whenever you're feeling a bit like, Ugh, so this full moon at the yeah. moment, which is Capricorn full moon, is all about going back over stuff, stuff that predominantly started last summer, and okay. just to re-iron it out for the last time, hopefully, and put it to bed. Oh right, okay. Very perfect. There you go. Yeah. What do you want to be remembered for? I would like to remember sort of funny, honest writing. Great. You manifest that. It's good. I think I would like to be remembered for having changed something for the better. Mm. It doesn't really matter particularly what, but have made an impact in some way. And do you think you have started to do that? <laughs> I, I, think, it- I think, I hope so. I mean, that was what I wanted to do with my book was to try and let people into the world of the law and mm. make it human mm. and I hope so mm. three word your inner critic or imagined worst enemy would use to describe you calm down dear <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah yeah not, not patient no god manipulative maybe wow um I mean there are 
probably quite a lot that I think. What are your inst- What are the things that is being said in your head now that you're not saying? Uh, I guess something probably about um, like not being very good at the detail and shit domestically. <laughs> I mean, oh, no. does that matter? Well, matters to some people, and it's only occasionally I'm like, I just. Well, what? Can you not cook? Or? I cannot cook. And the <laughs> other thing I do that I hate about myself is that when I get like really tired, I get all kind of flappy. I hate the fact that I can never find anything in my handbag. That just really annoys me. I'm always having like a scurry around. As is everybody. Yeah. Anyway, on to the actual main big topic, and we're here to talk about divorce. According to statistics, 42% of marriages will end in divorce. I mean, that. It's not me. great odds, is it? It's really not. And like, if you wanted to be really close to the bone about it, if you think what the average cost of a wedding is, which is 30k, it's like, would you bet 30k on something which is nearly 50-50 odds? It's mm-hmm. like, it's not great, is it? And if you're not the person who gets divorced, then the chances are you might be the child of divorce or someone very close to you. I th- yeah, I knew the, the odds were bad, but they're dead. Not yeah. good. Not I thought so- they were worse than that, actually. Do, I thought they do? were totally 50-50, but... I mean, it's going down though, isn't it? I think. Yeah, but do you, don't you think that's because less people are getting married? Yes, I think you're probably right. So it's skewed, isn't it? I mean, cohabitation's gone up. So yeah, twenty six percent in the last decade. It is. It is going to be a kind of palm sweaty kind of topic, I think, because it's if you're married, and which I am, and I'm a child of divorce, and I've seen it affect lots of my friends. It's it is yeah a big subject that is difficult, and I was absolutely inundated when I was asking people on Instagram about it. So, Sarah, you are mm. a family lawyer. Can you give us the uh, basics from a legal point of view, a divorce versus an annulment? So, I am a... I should probably say I'm a, I'm a family and criminal barrister. You're right. So, the difference between me and a solicitor, I mean, that if you wanted to separate from your partner yeah. and get divorced, what you would probably do first is go to a solicitor and get some preliminary advice. And hopefully, if you manage to pull it off you would be able to separate, sort out your finances, sort out the arrangements for your kids and get divorced without ever seeing a barrister. Right, so that's only if it's going to go to court. Exactly. So what I was involved in was the bit where people just couldn't manage to do that without a judge making the decision for them. And that's when you enter the court process And the court process is set up to try and help people resolve themselves. So you will begin by having quite a short hearing and then you'll have a wait before the next hearing and another hearing, which is the kind of last hurrah. So you hope that it... You hope it doesn't go all the way to a final hearing. Mm -hmm. A final hearing is the one where all the evidence that you've been asked to gather gets put in before the judge you both give evidence and get cross-examined and then the judge makes the decision for you about how your finances are going to be split or how your kids' time is going to be divided. And that is, uh, in some cases, it has to it has to happen because people can't agree. Is it not part of the thing that if you've even got to that point then things have started unfurling quite a lot? Totally. And I used to... It, by the time I met a lot of clients, they were entrenched because mm. the arguments had been going on sometimes for years back and forward through solicitors. Uh, Sometimes they had tried mediation. Mediation is now something that you have to say that you have tried or at least that you want to do it but your ex won't. So what is mediation? Mediation doesn't involve any lawyers. You go to a third party who basically helps the two of you come out with an arrangement. 
And does that look anything like therapy or not? I don't know. Therapy, I mean, all of this is going to pull at some deep stuff, right? So even when you're having conversations in mediation, there'll be stuff... Mm. Uh, but I, but the questions won't be like, why are you doing that? No, it's going it to be solution focused. Okay. So you both sign up to trying to reach a, re- reach a resolution. If you can't reach a resolution, then you go to court. From the moment you're stepping foot in a solicitor's office, yeah. are you, is, is it costing you money? Lots and lots of solicitors will do a free consultation to get a kind of guide about what your particular scenario looks mm-hmm. like and where they think it might go one way or the other. What, unfortunately, you don't get now is a free consultation paid for by the government. So it's all means-tested. And now you are really unlikely to get legal aid in a family case, in a private law case, which is one individual against another individual, unless there are allegations or evidence of domestic abuse. So this means that the courts are swamped by people trying to represent themselves because they just can't afford 200 quid an hour or whatever it is to get a solicitor, let alone a barrister, to come to. It's a terrible time when your decision-making isn't necessarily going to no. be the best, and yet you are being asked to make decisions that are potentially going to impact on the rest of your life and your kids' lives. I think one of the key things that I tried to impress upon anyone that I represented was that they're not judging your relationship the only focus of the entire court process should be what should be in the best interests of your children and how does the law treat your particular financial situation. No judge is going to turn around and go, you're the good one and you're the bad one and so I'm going to punish him and reward you because that's just not what they're there for. So am I right in saying, and it may have changed, but to get a divorce, you have to cite somebody as the, the, the party of blame. You're exactly right. So this is one of the things I wrote about in the book, which because I found it astonishing that despite so many reports and statistical evidence about it, that no fault divorce, as it's been termed, yeah. is hasn't managed to yet make itself How into the statute How can that be possible? It, they've had debates about it in the House of Commons, but there is a bill going through going through the House of Commons at the moment, okay. which should bring it into effect. And it's, but it's really kind of, I think for anyone starting off on this, it's really worth knowing the information about it because it hugely impacts on what happens. So when you get divorced now, there are five reasons that you have to cite one of five reasons. Okay. The most commonly used one. In 2017, for example, 60% of all divorce petitions cited unreasonable behaviour. Okay, so that's pretty broad. Exactly. Well, it kind of, although it it still has to meet a sort of legal threshold. Right. And so you get this bizarre situation where you get some solicitors saying to their clients, it's just not enough. You've got to beef it up to pass the technical legal test for it being unreasonable behaviour. So right from the off... You're setting up to try and nitpick into yeah totally, and you can't if you consent you can separate after two years. Famously in the Owens and Owens case, it was on the news all over the place. Um, If one of you doesn't consent, you have to be separated for five years. And is that like an annulment then? No. So an, an annulment, 
an annulment you very rarely come across because it's really specific. Yeah. It's basically a declaration that the marriage never existed in the first place. Oh. It's annulled. So there are so... F- you, for example, if one of the parties was under the age of 16 or was forced into it. I mean, there are very really... Oh, so I always thought that was the option that people went for when everyone's kind of, you know, you get to honeymoon, realise you don't love each other and everyone goes, let's forget that... You can get a quickie, maybe they call it a quickie divorce, which I think I think it's only like four or six months you have to be married before for you could to get it through but it's still a divorce so you have basically if you for exactly that if you decide it was a bad idea very yeah. quickly but an annulment is basically a marriage that's void or voidable oh. so it's like it's never happened so i've never really come across no but the no fault divorce yeah so what issue, are the other things that you could cite as um, adultery yeah desertion and then the Two years separation or five years separation with or without consent. But the biggie is unreasonable behaviour, which of course gets you to say all sorts of awful yeah, things. Yeah, everything comes out. That, yeah. Exactly. So the new one, it's called the Divorce Dissolution Separation Bill. That is going to replace, get rid of all of those and replace it with something called an irretrievable breakdown statement. So you put down why. You can do it as an uncontested divorce. You can jointly apply for it. Because at the moment, one of you has to decide yeah, which, again, which one is going to apply for it. In Scotland, they have had no fault divorce since 2006. Yeah. And, what's the- and their divorce rate's gone down. 6% of people chose unreasonable behaviour as the reason they got divorced. So almost given the option between yeah. doing a no blame, let's just try and get through this yeah. awful, awful thing without throwing mud as much as we can. Yeah. Most people will choose it. And I I used to get lots of clients, they would have the divorce petition as part of the documents and they would point to it and go, look, it's just completely untrue what they said here. And I was like, and I'd have to go, I'm afraid it doesn't matter. Like the judge... We're not interested in why it ended, particularly. No. Unless it's yeah, unless it's, it's something very significant. Unless it's something particularly pertinent. And so, but loads of people get really rubber. There was some, there was a, a national opinion survey that forty three percent disagreed with the claim that they were at fault, mm-hmm. and thirty seven percent denied or rebutted the allegations that they actually went to the effort of yeah, so that, going back. And it's just all yeah gets in the way of what the actual job For in what? hand is. Yeah. The only goal for a divorce petition is to start the process of divorce, yeah. not to sling blame around. Which leads me, I guess, to speak to you, Rosie. Um, where are you at with your divorce? That's a very crude way of putting it, but you're, yeah, talked so about... So I'm about to have the decree nisi read out. And so about a year on from, I guess, my marriage sort of imploding. So, so, yeah, so let's go back to a year ago. <clears throat> yeah. You're... Yeah, where were you at and how did how did it all begin? Well, so I met my husband, still my husband, uh, when I was 18 and I'm now 45. And so we, you know, we'd known each other for 26 years. We'd been married for 15. It was, a, you know, and, and I thought we were totally happy. Mm. And so I was really shocked and devastated. So summer 2018, when sort of a series of events happened and he basically was sort of like I'm not happy uh, and I desperately was trying to sort of make it work mm-hmm. you know trying to hold on to yeah. it basically and then this time last year was yeah. when he left and at what point did you start legal proceedings so you know it's quite interesting I think people 
you know, like my friends and my family were very keen that I, you know, that I did because they wanted to protect me, I think. Mm-hmm. This is when I say to people, I'm really lucky. I've got a, fam- a friend who's a judge in the family courts and she said, this is my favourite barrister. And then I rang her favourite barrister and her favourite barrister told me her favourite, you know, yeah. Uh, lawyer. But so, so many people wouldn't have access to that. They them. would not have access to that. And just, you know, hearing you talk about people having to represent themselves and I've I've so many people who've written to me have said, you know, my husband's very wealthy, I have nothing, mm. you know, and then that sort of disparity mm. is just heartbreaking, isn't it's it? It's un- fundamentally unjust, yes. isn't it? It's not yes, what yeah. justice is for. No. Just having balance. Mm. And do you relate to that having to cite blame somewhere? I think if you are somebody that feels that you've been wronged you kind of you do have that natural thing of wanting everyone to know that so you know that was sort of deeply frustrating to me in a way that that actually you know it's like I kind of thought well you've left you've blown our life apart you've changed what you've promised you know Mm. therefore why should I and my children be the ones to suffer from that but Mm. I do also understand you know the longer time goes on the more you you know in 10 years time I'm sure we'll just accept it as what happened you Mm. know was it immediate that from him leaving to thinking that yes you wanted to make this illegal I mean I kind of knew you know once he'd gone we could never go back you know I do actually know someone who got divorced and got back together with her I've got an amazing story for later on I wonder if it's the same person Mm. Uh, but I think it's so rare and for me I did just know so I thought actually I have to set these wheels in motion yeah and I worry even from a personal point of view even when you said those words that, that it's over and yeah. you want a divorce there's something about the sanctity of marriage that has already begun to fall apart at that moment yeah. but when Ben and I at a pretty dark place a few years ago when we first went to a therapist her opening question was do you want to save this and thankfully both of us did want to but that yeah. that that is it isn't it if mm. and if if one person doesn't yeah mm. and and what's quite I mean to sort of stare down the void of that I mm. think that kind of those those kind of words and that kind of abyss especially I mean for me I'd never kind of really dated anyone else and never really you know I'd always had that security and so so that kind of fear of was overwhelming to me and and as you say you know then you're in a position where you're saying well you know please can you pay a bit more Mm. for this and what you're going to leave and you're not going to pay this and you're not going to you know it's just kind of horrific you know the person that you met when you were 18 and you got in that relationship and then you these habits that form and it's just interesting these blurred boundaries and then to have that all blown apart yeah absolutely and actually I think that's the one thing that uh, a lot of my friends who have split up or who are long-term single that's the thing that really as a woman I think seems to really upset people those kind of physical jobs that you didn't do and actually weirdly this Christmas that was one thing was the idea of getting the Christmas tree getting it into the house and then I actually just wrote a piece uh, for the mail I think it was and then I said you know actually I'd got the man had put the Christmas tree in the car had helped me put it in and I got to the house and I thought oh god how am I going to get this Christmas tree in and somehow without me realising my son has suddenly become this like six foot one yeah. <laughs> half man boy yeah, and, he, and he, he I said okay we're going to carry that into the house and he said no I'll do it by myself and he just threw it over his shoulder and carried oh, it in and that. I thought in a weird way like the universe just kind of yeah. collides doesn't it actually yeah. at that moment and he probably enjoyed that moment yeah. of kind of feeling and it did make me realise we'd always had row probably <laughs> You can easily look back at those moments yeah. and actually like it wasn't. And Sarah, for you it must be hard in that you're always meeting people at one of their lowest points, aren't you? Yeah, and I think, you know, to be totally honest, when I first started 
practicing in this area of law because I did criminal as well I was in my 20s and I had very little patience and I remember someone saying to me once oh I'd rather give you my money than her and I thought how can you say that you know she's the mother of your three children she's given you 25 years and I think as I've got older and people I know have split up and maybe it's just part of growing up a bit as well I've become a lot more sympathetic as to how you get yourself in that mindset yeah you never think it's going to be you or them or no and I had to be sometimes quite firm with clients who wanted for the court process to be a therapy process and in some respects that it is like Mm. there is something about having an order with a court seal on it that says that's the end now yeah you can start again Mm. and some people really need that and they're able to move on afterwards but it's got it's a process getting there but it is really true that it that it isn't going to solve the emotional issues that is something you have to go and work on yeah elsewhere isn't it it, it, it is it is the court process is, is it, it involves human beings it doesn't involve robots so you can be in a courtroom and form an impression about yeah. someone and you can see that the judge has formed an impression not, about might someone not be them that's the other thing I came up against a lot. It's an assumption that the law said mothers have more rights than fathers. Yeah. Uh, which is why I never used to say. I was a family barrister, but I was out socially. I remember someone wanging on about it at a party about this is what the law said. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not, it's not really quite like that. Mm-hmm. So what is the reality of that? The law says you've got a statute called the Children Act and it has a something called the Welfare Checklist, which is various points that, the judge will go through and say this is how I decide what shall happen and the first thing is what is in the children's best interests and then it will go through various aspects and there is a presumption that to have both parents in a child's life is best best for the child and then that presumption is take away if there's evidence of of risk of harm so that is the approach that the law takes it doesn't mention mother father or anyone else but the problem is as well that that is so changeable. You could be talking about a five-year-old versus sixteen-year-old, and how that care looks can be is very hard, isn't it? You're completely right. If it's a, I don't know, a, a nursing baby, mm. it's going to need different things yeah. mm. than a fifteen-year-old boy. Yeah. So they'd put that. That is all built in within the law. It can flex to go with who needs it. But it's again speaking from personal experience of my thought. Four, I'm one of four siblings from my parents and actually we all had quite different needs but they, they did a coverall arrangement and for example I hope you won't mind me saying one of my mm. brothers didn't want to go to my dad's in the middle of the week he found that really mm. disruptive but it's hard because you've gone right you four now are this lumped together entity mm. and yeah it's individual humans isn't it yeah and I hope I think what is inbuilt within every order is that if the parents can agree on changing it you don't need to go back to court to change it they have a sentence that goes, or whatever the parents, the parties right, may Right, so you're agree. still empowered as a parent. Totally. You don't have to go back to court to change the order. As long as you both agree with it, then you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. So the thing I've really noticed is as a, as a couple, when you're together, your parenting styles, you kind of meet in the middle. Yes, so one might be exactly. more authoritarian, yeah, one might be more so liberal. Often. Generally, we know which genders they form into. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of moderate each, each other. other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so now what we've got is a, a very kind of soft, liberal home. But you can't control each other or you can't, you know, you can't moderate each other. So that yeah. also throws up problems. Yeah, you've nailed you, it. That yeah. needs to come up 
almost every and case. There's not, yeah. not a lot you can do that other no, than there I mean there's kind of a whole other episode on co-parenting. And like how much do you how much do you step back and say well actually that's your parenting style and therefore you should do that or you know when do you say well I feel that that's negative on their development you know it's so hard to know when where those lines are I yeah, think it is and it was a, it's a very hard thing to tell someone as well that them not washing their clothes in the bag or sending them back with a bunch of dirty clothes yeah. or leaving the book that they need for school at home and not returning that or being constantly an hour and a half late yeah. or yeah. whatever it might be is incredibly annoying and probably really irresponsible mm. but it's not sufficient for a court it's not yes. really sufficient for a court to get involved but that doesn't make it easier when you're yeah. on the receiving end of it yeah and I guess it's just you know there's there's a million things like that isn't mm. there like please make sure they have some fruit with their breakfast <laughs> and can it be washed <laughs> you know but it's all that stuff that yeah. actually as a man you probably just don't do or certain people do you or know. when you were married you kind of it kind of you got away with it yeah. you know we were saying yeah. to my husband the other day I don't think you've ever and it's not me having a jab at him but he doesn't realise when they've all grown out of a certain size of clothes because yeah. it, because I've done it yeah but suddenly if you're co-parenting those things become much bigger yeah, yeah. triggers and you you haven't got the kind of letting it go attitude that you might do you haven't got the kind of love for each no, other you haven't got you, the love, yeah exactly it, that you, that go, you just think right, yeah, oh, okay i'll do that to keep the peace or whatever yeah i guess forgetting them as your ex and remembering them as your the parent of your child exactly. and, the, and and holding some love of sorts mm. for that because that is still really important but that's difficult if they've hurt you a lot I couldn't have put it better that's exactly it when you basically don't see see them as a father yeah and you have to try and see them through your Children's kids eyes and it, yeah and kids are hugely perceptive aren't they yeah. so in prep for this podcast I always ask the good people of Instagram for some insight which is always um, very very enlightening I asked them if they were divorced and 9% were and then I asked him if any of them were considering divorce and a further 9% were okay. so I don't really know what to make of that but that's <laughs> quite that 9% are obviously yeah I wondered where they were at I asked them to describe the experience of divorce and I thought this was really fascinating here are some of the things they said traumatic but no regrets horrific but for the best difficult but liberating pain and power amicable but lengthy heart-wrenching but empowering it brought me to my knees. It's the best thing I ever did. Wow. Over and over again, mm. it's it was those a positive con- those after contradictions. The every, nearly yeah. all of them answered in that in that best thing, worst thing. Mm. Which I guess, if you're at the in the eye of the storm, it really is important to hold on to that. Yeah, there's cliches of silver linings, but that undoubtedly there'll be parts of it that will that lead to positives eventually. I asked them if they had any questions about divorce. A lot of people were worried about the pets. I imagine that's something you must deal with as well, how you split pets. Yeah, especially if they haven't got any kids. Yeah, your pets are basically... It becomes much more significant. You could put a schedule at the back of your order and say, you know, this is who's going to get the pink sofa and this is where the cockapoo is going to go. But you've got to remember that each of those things cost you money. Like, yeah. Mm. So it is the pink sofa. Is it better to go and rebuy a pink sofa (laughs) than spend a, you know... How often do people regret it? Is there a space that kids can seek support? Do you want anything off the top of your head? Well, the court tries to set its system up to protect the children. But at the, at the same time, it does that by removing them mm. as much as it can from the process. So the only support, and I don't, this is by, by which I mean court ordered yeah. support, it's Bukafkas the Children's and Family Court Advisory and Support Service. So 
if you have a case where two parents are disagreeing about where the child or children should live and the one parent's going they're refusing to go they hate him I have to rock him to sleep every night yeah. they, they say it's really emotionally impacting depending on the kid's age the court can appoint a Kafkas officer to go and speak with um. the child and that is a way of getting the child's voice to court independently of the parents uh, whilst not bringing the child to court to say it themselves. And that's such a common thing, like the people who write to me quite a lot or message me, is that that the children, you know, not only are you dealing with all of this, but then you're sort of having to, having to make a screaming, ch- crying child go somewhere they don't want to go, you know, yeah. which is just heartbreaking and you feel like they've already been through, been through so much. And then I'm not saying that's the case in my case, but it seemed, mm. but it's a, it's a very common thing, isn't it? It's very common and it's really, it's really difficult to deal with, in a, both in a legal way, obviously in a human way, it's really difficult to deal with, but because it's self-defeating, mm. if you force a kid, we all know this, if you force a kid to do something he doesn't want yeah. to do, you're going to pay the yeah. price for it. But also, there will be, as you've already said, they're perceptive. Yeah. They will be picking up on, on everything, whether or not you're protecting them from saying or he- having arguments in front of them. They will pick up a mood. So if a child feels like they were abandoning you mm. because yeah. they're the enemy, they're mm. looking after you, then of course they're not going to want to go. No. So you're asking, you know, often I had to give advice which I knew how difficult it was to give it which was you've got to try and make this guilt free for them to go if they're going to enjoy the time with someone who is going to be in their life for the rest of their life and that you're going to have a relationship with at some point for a long time then you've kind of you've got to try and separate as we've already said husband or ex-husband and father and make it fun for them yeah. to go as long as you think it's safe and risk free yeah. and all the rest of it but it's, it's such a big ask isn't it you've, yes, you've been absolutely hurt yourself but you've got to you've got to be but, a grown up you know that's what that's what parenting is isn't mm. it it's putting someone else's needs beyond and above yours all the time <laughs> some people said if you can live apart before the actioning of divorce just so that things can cool down which I guess it depends on the circumstances but I can see how that could be great advice it's very sound advice but as we were saying earlier not always practical because a lot of people have all of their assets tied up in their house and they can't afford to set themselves up until they've released the money from the house and they can't release the money from the house until they finalize divorce proceedings so it's a real catch-22 and i know uh, we would come up with arrangements house sharing arrangements where you had to live in the same house during divorce proceedings and you'd have certain times that you could cook in the kitchen oh. leave the living room God, it's uh i know someone doing it at the moment it's really that is like living it, hell isn't it, it yeah i think it i think that's be. a very accurate description and of it, yeah. if there are children in that oh, situation yeah. that is not poisonous a, yeah. really bad but but for as a reality that is most people can't afford no. not to start divorce proceedings to set up two separate homes I asked people (laughs) did your parents divorce and how did that impact you and again this was very very split yes it was horrendous no but they should have done life was miserable and scary because they didn't do the right thing 
Yes, but it was the best thing for us. Two happy parents is much healthier for everybody. Yes, because of them, I don't see the point in marriage. Yes, it makes you grow up fast. And yes, it's given me a strong appreciation of marriage. So there you go. It's like mm. there's no one clear-cut answer. Mm. And then I asked him if there's anything I'd missed. Someone said they highly recommended a divorce party, which my instinct is to say, that's a bit naff. But you know what? <laughs> it's a great you know idea. What? I, I think it was a really great naff. Idea. But then actually, I just kind of, I, I'm not sure I call it a divorce party, but I just feel so Freedom, many people liberation. have been so kind to me that's and so that. supportive that I feel like to get... and But sometimes they're in sort of different satellites, so they're kind of like my home friends or my uh, school friends or my university friends or my cousins. And I just think actually to get them all into one place to say, you've helped me so much, I, I really... I'm not, I want to be totally... But sorted. also to celebrate yourself. Yeah, like, really, yeah I think, yeah. you know, you... Imagine the moment when you found out this was happening and yeah. where even you are now. Also, yeah. we need to talk about your earrings, which I really Oh, my God, look at this. Yep. So, <laughs> so much bling. <laughs> Love it. I turned my engagement ring into oh. earrings. So you had it... Had them all, sort of... The stones. Oh, all three? Yeah, so yeah. all three. So I had the three classic three stone. And um, the hilarity is that, I mean... It was a sort of medium-sized engagement ring for mm. my daughter. In the ears, they look so much bigger. <laughs> so my friends are like, you look like Lewis Hamilton or did something. That, how did you come up with that idea? <laughs> Do you know what? I don't know, but it was almost instant. Because I, I went, like this time last year, I sort of had a midlife crisis ear piercing, had this one at, one at the top, like a hoop at the top. And I think I think that triggered something in my mind. I just thought, actually... That is, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. an act of empowerment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Which is, is all good, however that looks. As we wind up towards the end, any advice before someone gets married, prenups and that kind of thing? I feel really conflicted. I mean, if I was a really, really, really power-hungry lawyer... I know that the legal answer would be, yeah, of course you should get a prenup and it's mm. just sensible and practical. But the romantic side of me, I did, I haven't. No. And also, you, when you get married, you don't really know how life is going to unfurl and the things that get complicated are houses and assets and kids, aren't they? And you can't can't write that at the... No, the only thing that I wish I'd done is that I, you know, just totally the, the deal was, you know, like he put his money into a pension. I did the kind of buying of the sofas. Right. You know, so I do think pension. No, I think money. Pe- and pension's th- on the table, though. Yeah, pension. Yeah, pension's true, on the table. True, true, true. You know, it's all. It's all comes it's all, out in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, you you will have a legal right to yeah portion that as you'll find out. I hope. But it's so hard, isn't it? Those, as we're saying in day to day life, the, the purchases here, the just you know, yeah. and that the law the, is quite good about that, isn't it? In the sense that you do have access to that, and also doesn't yeah. it sort of everything you've put into the marriage at the point of desert it sort of treats yeah. as equal doesn't it it doesn't say your husband's earned x more than no, you and no, you've especially kind of, if you've had yeah. time off to yes. not, you know maternity yeah. leave and the, the well, impact on your the time off the way that the law interprets it is that it's not time off no you're enabling Definitely. your husband to go out to work yeah because if he if you weren't washing his pants and <laughs> cooking his food yeah he'd have to pay someone yeah. to do it yeah exactly. so you're looking after the children but, uh, yeah which yeah. is a so huge all of that is Totally, mm-hmm. yes. And I think, you know, that's also part of the advice to kind of try and educate yourself about your kind of rights in this area, which there is a lot online about. But totally, that the law at the moment starts off with a sort of equal yardstick and then mm-hmm. the 
judge will move the dial up and down it depending on what your particular circumstances are. So by way of conclusion, I think the more you look into this, it's it's hugely emotional, complicated and financially tough, tough, isn't Mm. it? And there is no easy, nifty way of doing it other than to remember that long-term relationships aren't like the movies. I think that is the problem, isn't it? We're fed a Hollywood version of marriage and then we're also fed a Hollywood version of divorce where a judge, you imagine a judge is... Kramer and Kramer yeah, exactly. stuff. Yeah. And it needn't be like that. No, I think that is the advice which most pre-litigation lawyers would give is keep calm, Yeah, don't send angry messages or put anything on yes, social media, sleep on it. Mm. and Which is life advice, really. Look isn't through it? your kids' eyes. Yeah, that's life advice. Yeah. I think the key is to keep your eyes open, to keep communicating, and to know that you've given it the best shot, but that happiness will be yours again. Mm. So three things before we finish up. Where can people find you, and have you got anything to shout about? Well, I've got Sarah Langford writes uk and you've got a book <laughs> and i've got a book yes i've got a book called in your defense yes. stories of life and law and that's under oh she's got it here i've got it here it's a rather you've tatty read that a lot. <laughs> i've got it by my bed <laughs> that's a tatty one <laughs> exactly yeah that was published in so it's out in paperback and ebook and audiobook right. and i've got an instagram called life's rosie and uh, i'm about to launch a website i think that's going to be called life's rosie too uh, and and i'm hoping to do a book as well that hopefully will help people, you know, Go navigate their own heartbreak. You are going to do a book. I yes, I am. I am. Yes. And going back to the title of the podcast, if you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? Could be a troll, a celeb, a friend, a younger version of yourself, someone who's died. Up to you. God. <laughs> oh, no, not God. Actual God. <laughs> Actual yeah, God. Actual God. <laughs> what would you say to him? <laughs> or her. her uh, them. It, them. Uh... I could probably ask for the secrets, no, wouldn't you? Yeah, all, would. the, all, yeah. the, all the answers to all the questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go on. Would you, would, you, go on. would you write them all down or would you just absorb them? I mean, in this particular fantasy, I imagine that you wouldn't have pen or paper, would you? No, or you, you would be you, floating. Or your phone too. No. <laughs> Do you mind if we just... Uh, selfie. <laughs> yeah, selfie. <laughs> Mine would definitely be, I think, with myself because actually hearing, oh, wow. hearing what you've said, you know, there's just so much... This is this process has made me realise there's so much of the ego core in up in relationships yeah. and how and there's so many layers and just hearing you talk about you know that whole thing about the kids not wanting to necessarily go to their dads because you know subliminally you might have been you know putting out some kind of message it's just about like really trying to unpick what behavior. what is your what are your intentions you know mm. what's your That's so hard well, we've all got aspirations and it, it, yeah. yeah again especially as parents you get to the end of the day you're like oh I did not do that as well as I could have done there's so many things but yeah. all we can do is try our best and to be reflective and I think that that is halfway there isn't it then I always ask my audience to complete the sentence I'll be honest I and these were some of their answers I'm beginning to regret giving up smoking that was on the 2nd of January <laughs> it's not good I don't like espresso martinis I'm more jealous of people than I care to admit I'm fed up of my sister judging me I'm a coke addict and have been since my husband introduced me to the drug 10 years ago I'm 46 I hate high-waisted jeans they are so uncomfortable to sit down in I'm with you there Um, um, 
I need to stop having Toblerone for breakfast. I hate musical theatre and I don't like dogs. I hate musical theatre. I love musical theatre. I hate, musical oh, theater. I hate it. <gasps> I mean, that is my, that would be, You're my fantasy would be like living oh, in The Sound of Music. so interesting, isn't it? I, for my hen doom, everyone dressed up as characters from The Sound of Music. Oh my God, I wanted that to be my hen <laughs> Even though you hate so it. Oh, I, I don't like, I like The Sound of Music. I don't okay. like it on stage. Yeah. I love oh, the okay. film. Okay, all okay. right. I mean, it's a close cousin, but yeah. yeah. I'm with my you. husband loves <laughs> musical theatre and I don't no. he's like I really, really can't get on board with it not even like Starlight no. Express no like Grease <laughs> and Dirty Dancing yes but the rest of it I'd rather ha- I like like stuff that's going to make me yeah feel something more and then one for me actually that my wedding day wasn't my happiest day of my life I'm very glad I committed to Ben and I love the ceremony and the party was great but I regret that we focused the day on ensuring everybody else had a great time rather mm. than us Mm. Do you know, my photo- my photographer at my wedding is kind of well, not kind of she's incredibly hippie and awesome I love her she said she kind of grabbed me right at the beginning and said don't think about any of it apart from the moment that you're living right now oh, don't think about what's good. coming it will all happen it will be fine just think about exactly now, what's happening right present. now and god that was such good gift. advice mm. and I just I do, I do it didn't do it didn't fly by I remember every moment do it was, you yeah. held on to it yeah, I was five months pregnant at the time, so I could. Yeah, that helps. Anyways, that helps. <laughs> well, I think on that, I think is a good place to end. I've been Clemmie Telford, and these wonderful women have been Sarah Langford and Rosie Green. And this has been Honestly Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your mates all about it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank ladies. You for having Bye. Us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Honestly. If you found this week's episode interesting, which I hope you did, I'd love to know your thoughts. So please do give me a rating or review and even better, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get each week's episode delivered straight to you. 